Podcast. Podcast. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of the 5th Quarter Tulane Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Patrick of 5th Quarter Tulane, proud member of the 5th Quarter College Football Network. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Now, most years, once the season's over for Tulane, number one, we wouldn't even play in a bowl game. Number two, there wouldn't be a whole, whole lot to talk about as far as coaching rumors or landing impact transfers. This year is different. Obviously, we just got Jet Duffy, former Texas Tech Red Raider quarterback. You know, he's projected to be the starter for us, and right now, status of uh, Will Hall, offensive coordinator, is up in the air, although I believe he's staying. I've gone on the record saying that he's staying, and I've talked to a few Tulane people who I know have close ties to the program. They say he's staying, but nevertheless, it's something that I'm monitoring, and we're going to have to sweat it out until we know for sure that he's going to be our coach next season. This is a good problem to have, though. I mean, if you didn't have successful coaches, Power 5 teams wouldn't be trying to steal them away from you. As you can recall, we never really had to worry about anybody poaching Bob Toledo or Mike Price away from us. But now the expectation at Tulane is different. You know, two straight bowl games, two straight bowl wins, and going forward, I feel like this team expects to compete for a conference championship. Let's briefly recap the season though. You know, started out with a absolute thumping of FIU and Yeoman Stadium and Wave races out to a 5 and 1 start, including uh coming back down 28-7 against Houston. Now, that my friends is probably my favorite two-lane game of this century. I mean, I was uh, seven years old in 1998, so I don't remember it that well, but I'm sure that was probably my favorite season, and my favorite game was the Liberty Bowl, but that comeback versus Houston, I was so down on Tulane, I don't really want to, you know, say what I was saying in the first quarter. Now, once Stefan Hudson scored at the end, right before halftime, and Houston missed the kick, doinked it off the uprights, I felt like, hey, you know, we're only down 14 points, and I feel like we played the most horrible half of football we possibly could, and we're still in this thing. And lo and behold, they take the third and fourth quarter by storm. Amari Jones famously executes the the trick play which actually was not a fake kneel down there was no kneel down at all in that play it was just run out of a victory formation it was like 
believe you would call it a counter jet sweep with a fake, you know, fake option action to the right where McMillan and Darius Bradwell tried to draw the defense away. Houston was just completely lost. You see their safety falling down and luckily Amari Jones stepped out of bounds you know to preserve time on the clock uh, otherwise you know we've had to burn the time out and we may have had to go about it differently on that last play the 52 yard I believe uh touchdown uh, Jalen McCleskey with three seconds left in the game and that win was so monumental to Tulane and the program to win a game like that where in the past you know Tulane teams from years ago would have just folded down 28 to 7 probably would have packed it in lost you know 48 to 10 or whatever not this team I mean they fought back and they came back and won the damn game you know and everybody partied long into the night uptown then after that beat an army team which admittedly kind of a crappy team then beat UConn which is a really crappy team I mean they're not even gonna be in the AAC next year I believe they're going independent and I could see them in the the FCS in two or three years so now we're five and one everybody's flying high we're I think one spot away from being ranked we you know, we were number 26 in the nation. We needed a couple more teams to lose to break the top 25, and or we would have been in there. I think Arizona State won, and we needed them to lose, and a couple of other teams. Regardless, we're heading into a key matchup at Memphis in the Liberty Bowl. And, you know, we kind of know how that will went. Memphis not so kindly reminded Tulane that they're not a top 25 team yet and kind of went downhill after that you know one and five to end the season did get the win over Tulsa I remember I was there that was a very fun game you know and the final score doesn't really do justice to how much Tulane really controlled that game for the most part but you know, regardless, it's kind of a sour end to the season when you start out 5-1 and one and you end at 1-5. and five. I was kind of down on Tulane again. wasn't feeling too great about things. And then, like Thanos and the Avengers, snap your fingers and totally erase any negative memories about Tulane football. Just beat the shit out of Southern Miss and the bowl game, that's two straight bowl victories, and everybody's feeling good again. It's crazy how one game can totally redeem an entire season, but that's what happens in bowl season, and especially for a group of five team, people say these bowl games are meaningless, you know, blah, 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 you're playing Southern Miss, they're really not that good or whatever. I mean, that's bull crap. These games mean a lot. To a small program like Tulane that's trying to build up their reputation and increase their football brand. It means a lot to recruiting. You know, Fritz and his staff are doing work on the recruiting trail. Reeled in one of the best classes in recent memory. And winning a bowl game like that only helps recruiting. It only helps, you know, the perception of the program locally and 
nationally when you can sell that point to recruits that, hey, you know, we're building something here. And I really think they are building something special at Tulane here right now. Willie Fritz with the recruiting that he's been doing. And you look at the roster, it's a good roster. Like Tulane legitimately has depth and talent at just about every position that needed to get a couple of uh, wide receivers. They did that with the Watts brothers. And they went and they, they addressed the secondary in recruiting. And obviously, they got uh, Jet Duffy from the transfer portal, who put up pretty good numbers at Texas Tech, despite being 3-8 and eight as a starter. You have to remember that his defense was just atrocious at Texas Tech. They gave up, uh, I think, what, more than uh, 30 points a game during his 11 starts there, which is just getting no help from his defense. But... Look at his highlight reel. He can make all the throws, and he's got the kind of shiftiness and athletic ability that uh, Justin McMillan brought to the offense. So it's kind of just once again, Willie Fritz pulls the rabbit out of his hat in the transfer portal, finds a perfect fit to run his offense. Now, that brings me to my next point. Is what about Keon Howard? You know, he, you know, Southern Miss transfer. He actually has uh, looked pretty good, you know, in limited opportunities. And uh, allegedly he's a pretty good teammate and a hard worker. He understands the offense. The, um, the question is, what does Howard do now? Does he transfer out and go seek another opportunity elsewhere? Or does he stay and fight for his job? That'd be remain to be seen you know in this era of college football you're never really going to have a good backup in the day and age of the transfer portal now Keon Howard is a high character guy I could see him staying to either a help the team out or b if he believes that he can win this job and be the two lane starter but, you know, we'll see how this plays out and uh, what he does. Now, for the next portion of the segment, I just want to talk about the, the Will Hall rumors and him being one of the best offensive coordinators in the group of five right now. Naturally, he's going to attract attention from Power Fives have a vacancy. Now, um, Oregon, their top candidates right now, I believe, are Jed Fish, who, according to some Oregon insiders, just knocked his interview out of the park. Joe Moorhead, former Mississippi State head coach, just got fired, uh, previously uh, Penn State offensive coordinator. He is a uh, top candidate for the job and also uh Jorge Munoz from Louisiana State University an offensive analyst he is something somebody that they're also looking at very hard right now um Will Hall uh, a couple days ago he was probably their leading candidate and I reached out to pretty much 
everybody I knew in the Tulane program and some people that I didn't even know I was reaching out to them like, hey, you know, give me some feedback on this. But um, my top two sources were saying that they firmly believe that Will Hall is going to be Tulane's offensive coordinator next season. And, you know, that's all that I need to know. While I'm not necessarily an insider myself, I know some people who are. And that's all that I really need is whenever I have a question about Tulane, I reach out to them. And more often than not, they give me credible information about what they know inside the program. And this is kind of a cat and mouse game when you're dealing with people. I know the the Oregon guy on fifth quarter was DMing me saying that, hey, you know, we're going to steal your offensive coordinator away. And I'm like, no, you're not. Or at least, no, I don't think so. Um, But this is the, the chess game that I know more about Tulane football than you know about Oregon. And the Oregon people were very adamant that they could steal away Hall. But right now, they're kind of backtracking on that. I've had a couple of people saying, oh, you know, hey, maybe you're right. Uh, people who were uh, mocking me on Twitter saying that uh, Will Hall was a gone pecan. And obviously coaching is a business. Like, I understand when you have a job, I, I do the same thing. I'm looking around at other jobs, seeing, you know, the kind of opportunities that are out there. While I'm I'm happy at my current job, I still look around, you know, just in case, A, I get laid off, or B, I see possibly a greener pastures, and that's what... The, the reality is for a lot of small group of five programs is that anytime they have a coach that has any kind of success, boom, you know, gets scooped up by somebody in the, the SEC or the, the ACC, Big Ten, whatever. Um, Will Hall, I'm confident as of right now that we can keep him. You know, he just got Jet Duffy set up for a huge year. He probably bolts at the end of next year for a better opportunity. I don't blame him. Uh, I've always felt like he wanted to be a head coach and he deserves that chance to be a head coach somewhere and he could potentially have a monster year in this two-lane offense and he can parlay that to a good job opportunity. Now, um, until then, unless some offensive coordinator job opens up in the SEC and really, you know, recruits him hard, I feel like he's going to be coaching for us. And the sky is the limit if he stays for this offense with what we have coming back, the kind of offensive line we have coming back. We see Jet Duffy and the receiving core is actually pretty good. You know, Jatavian Tolls. Uh, as previously mentioned, the Watts brothers out of junior college, uh, Jones County Junior College, they're really good. Tyrick James, really good tight end, good hands, good blocker, and just an embarrassment of good running backs. You know, I think Cameron Carroll is a really big, powerful 
running back, Stephon Hutterson. He's a good scat back. He's a good pass catcher, too. He caught a 35-yard touchdown, I think it was, against Tulsa and returned a kick to the house against UCF. He's a good player, not to mention Amari Jones, the super back position. He's going to be a threat. So I think that it could be one of the greatest Tulane offenses ever in history this year. Even maybe not better than 1998. I don't know if anybody will ever be that good. It was just unbelievable, especially since Tulane plays stronger competition in the American Conference than than they did back then in Conference USA. You know, people criticize the schedule in 98. It wasn't that strong of a schedule. Now we have to play, you know, top 25 teams and even the the medium teams like Tulsa and Temple are pretty good. We may not put up quite those numbers, but it'll be pretty dang close, I believe. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention Ty J. Spears, who I feel like he's going to be an absolute beast for us. So, yeah, that's basically, I think, um, Tulane offense is going to be incredible in the 2020 season. Now, on the other side of the football, we just stole away a great linebacker from the state of Florida, Jesus Machado, from Shepagnat, Shepagnat Catholic in Florida. I don't know. I forgot where it was at. Uh, Weewahitchka, Florida or something. And he took him away from Miami, beat them out for that recruit, which not to get off topic, but we've been beating out some power five teams for recruits these days. Uh, beat out Kansas State, I believe. I think beat out um, Arizona State and uh, Mississippi State type programs like those those mid-level teams that always used to come into New Orleans or whatever and take away all of our recruits getting to decommit and flip we're now starting to compete more with the mid-level power fives for recruits which is really good to see and we're getting those top half of the FBS kind of recruiting classes that are going to help build our program now to expand more about the defense they were kind of up and down this season at times they struggled in the back end no downfield coverage and they struggled to get to the passer a lot of times and you know the secondary really played a lot better towards the very end of the season they they weren't horrible against UCF, although they gave up uh, a few big plays that kind of ruined the game. And they were very good, actually, in a loss at SMU. The secondary held up against probably the best passing attack in the conference. 
although the offense couldn't get much going against the Mustangs. Then, of course, long break before the bowl game, and the defense, once they settled into the game, they gave up a couple of early scores to the Golden Eagles, where Tulane really looked like they were sleepwalking. They hadn't even gotten off the bus yet. Once they kind of settled in, they were dominant. It didn't even look like Southern Miss belonged on the same field as Tulane for the rest of the game. They, um, I believe Southern Miss went through a stretch where they had like one first down and in six possessions, and that was with uh, Jack Abraham before he got knocked out of the game. And Southern Miss's backup was just completely befuddled by Tulane's defensive scheme. The pass rush made a return in that game. They were really getting after it. Of course, I mentioned they um they hit Southern Miss starter Abraham a few times, and the the last blow uh somebody missed uh, a blitz pickup on Lawrence Graham, and he just had a clean shot at Abraham. It uh, unfortunately knocked him out of the game. You always hate to see that. Uh, I personally never cheer for any player to get injured, no matter how what team they play on or who they're playing against. I I hope you know that he has all the success in the world, and I wish Southern Miss has all the success in the world, just not when they're playing Tulane. Now, uh, to bring me to my next point uh, about the bowl game, about the game itself, I felt like I was taking crazy pills. All these years of my life, I've seen Tulane play the University of Southern Mississippi, and most of the time, we just got wiped out. You know, they just wipe us down off the field. The last few games, I'm pretty sure, were double-digit wins for Southern Miss. The 2010 game was actually kind of nip and tuck until uh, DJ Banks dropped the punt. Blew the game open. Obviously, Southern Miss capitalized on that special teams gaffe and wound up winning 46 to 30. This game, if you took a nap halfway through the first quarter and woke up and just watched from you know around the beginning of the second quarter onward, Tulane was head and shoulders the better team. It looked like they had better athletes, bigger, stronger, faster. Like Southern Miss did not have the players to compete with Tulane, which was kind of disappointing. And you could say that is because their quarterback got hurt. You know, you lose your starting quarterback and the backup really doesn't get a lot of reps and, you know, the backup's a young guy who hasn't really played at all. But they were dominating the game or at least shutting Southern Miss out before Jack Abraham got hurt. And obviously, you know, give Tulane a lot of credit. They played an outstanding game once they made their adjustments and and locked into the game. I'm not taking anything away, but it was kind of, you know, strange to see Southern Miss fold like a cheap tent when they got down in the game. And pretty much from that point onward, it was all Tulane. Now, when I did my pregame um, prediction of the game, I wrote an article for the fifth quarter website. I actually predicted 
Southern Miss would win the game, uh, a close game, or at least it would come down to the wire. Now, that was partly because I had a, a sick feeling about Tulane at the time, watching a couple months of bad football for the most part, and I might have overrated Southern Miss a bit because of uh, my fond memories of playing them so often. Turns out that I was just dead wrong, you know. Tulane wound up winning that game easily despite not showing up necessarily to play for the first quarter. So basically what I'm saying is it didn't seem like Southern Miss had that uh, swagger that they used to have. They used to play with a chip on their shoulder. They may have not been the most talented team, but they would take the fight straight to you on the football field. I felt like this was reversed. I felt like Tulane took the fight straight to Southern Miss. And once Southern Miss got punched in the mouth, they had no answer. Now, I've always been a diehard Tulane football fan, but I've always had a lot of admiration for Southern Miss as well. I've felt like they're the little engine that could in college football. Little... Little school, not a lot of tradition. Nobody really knew who they were before Brett Favre, but they just got it done. And it's becoming increasingly harder for them to compete for a variety of reasons. A, Conference USA is just absolute dog shit these days. Any decent team is gone now. And B, they have a lot more competition in recruiting. The type of athlete they used to get at Southern Miss was overlooked by the Power Five, little diamond in the rough, so to speak, type players that they could get out of, uh, you know, South Alabama and, you know, the Florida Panhandle and little small towns in Texas and, of course, around the Mississippi area. Now they have all these upstart small FBS programs like South Alabama, uh, Georgia Southern, people like that that didn't used to be there, they're taking all of those recruits or at least fighting with Southern Miss for all those recruits. There are so many FBS programs. But that's going to end my little mini rant on Southern Miss. I hope they improve their product a little bit more before we play them again, renew the series in a few years, which I'm actually really excited for. I'm excited to play them again. To wrap up my podcast, I just want <clears throat> to touch on a few things that what a time it is to be a Tulane fan. All sports, really. Um, football, obviously, we've we've went over the success, new, Tulane's newfound success in the football field. Ron Hunter, he's doing a great job right now turning the program around which Tulane basketball was horrific last year under Mike Dunleavy didn't win a conference game has already done that so if he doesn't win another game for the rest of the year it would still be a better year than last year and uh college baseball a little bit up in the air we would like to see Tulane return to the postseason it was kind of a make-it-or-break-it year for Travis Jewett, you know, embattled 
coach Travis Jewett, who I feel like has learned from his mistakes. He hired a better pitching coach, tried to lower the ERA, team ERAs, which are sky high, and he's been uh, recruiting better, uh, recruiting better players for the bullpen. So we'll see, you know, if he can make it to uh, the college baseball regionals. That would be great. I would certainly like to see him do so. And Ron Hunter, the rest of the season, we'll see how it plays out. I wonder if we could potentially get an NIT bid. The AAC is a really strong conference. We're not really quite there yet as far as competing for the AAC championship in basketball. But it looks like they're getting a little bit better all the time, and that's all that you can really ask for. So it's just really... We're in the golden era right now, so to speak, of Tulane athletics where we have so much excitement around the programs and it's only getting better. And look to uh, say about uh, four years ago, 2015, the, the feeling was a lot different. We, you know, outgoing athletic director Rick Dixon, uh, who admittedly, he actually did a lot for Tulane, you know, keeping the programs live. And for that, I'm thankful. But we had to go a different direction as far as athletic director goes. Somebody who would get us. He was never the guy to get us where we needed to be. But he he kept us alive. So for that, Rick Dixon, I thank you. And... Then in comes Troy Dannon, who is tasked with replacing coaches in all of the major sports. You know, uh, Curtis Johnson, gone, fired, who, you know, I met Curtis Johnson before. Great human being, exceptional human being, not really a great college football coach. Uh, he's He was gone and replaced him, you know, the hiring of the century. Some people call it Willie Fritz. He hired Mike Dunleavy. Sounded like a good idea in theory. Uh, didn't work out. So now uh, Ron Hunter. It looks like that's actually going to work out. Um, Travis Jewett. Some people really liked the hire. Uh, some people don't. Uh, not a lot of people are really thrilled with him right now, but. I feel like if he has a good year this year, it will certainly change those feelings. People will start having warm and fuzzy feelings about Travis Jewett. And that will wrap up my first podcast. Uh, Thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, Please comment or tweet me. Tell me what you thought about the podcast. And uh, guys... I've already reached out to people about having guests on the show or joining other podcasts. Would be thrilled to do that also. So, in conclusion, thank you for your support of Fifth Quarter Tulane and thank you for the support of the Fifth Quarter College Football Network. Roll Wave! Now, those of you who are familiar with Tulane University and Tulane Athletics, y'all have known over the years that whenever Tulane has a little bit of athletic success, Here comes the administration to let you down. 
Now, this first started, I believe, in the 1960s. Tulane decided to de-emphasize athletics. They, they felt like it was uh, taking away from the university's overall mission, which is ac- obviously academics, you know, school of higher learning. They thought that uh, spending too much time, energy, money on athletics was not conducive to the university's overall goal, you know, which is to educate people. So they started paying less attention to athletics. Program started to suffer on the field, obviously left the SEC. And uh, another instance of this was, you know, 1998 passing up Rich Rodriguez, you know, green tie. Uh, according to people, he was just all about the two-lane job, the offensive coordinator, the mastermind behind the undefeated season, some say. Passed him over for Chris Selfo, really kind of flamed out at Tulane. He started uh, stru- uh struggle over the years. And uh, infamously, the review in 2003, where immediately following the Hawaii Bowl, the administration, you know, had a vote whether to continue playing Division One athletics at all. And Tulane boosters and fans and supporters of the Green Wave program had to get together and fight for the life of Tulane Athletics.